Hello, and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do, so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. So welcome to Sharp episode 14. So we rebuilt the studio after our luck ran out last week. Only kidding. No studios were harmed in the making of that episode. So how are you? How are you getting on with your new start of day and end of day routines? Have you used anything we covered? Or have you tried something different? I know that I've managed to meet my own standards by setting up an app on my phone which takes the blue out of the screen at 8pm. Mine's called Night Mode Blue Light Filter because I'm an Android. Um, There's another one on iPhone called Flux. So what it means is that at 8pm or whatever time you set, my screen changes and the blue comes out of it, which stops that thing about causing the problems with your circadian rhythms. And it reminds me also to start thinking about turning it off. And I am starting to achieve the ability to stop looking at my social media feed after 10pm, which is handy because this week I've been asleep before 9 o'clock on at least two occasions. Hey, talking of social media... We're now on Instagram. I don't know how to drive it. I've still got my L plates on, so any advice would be very welcome. But that's just another example of how we don't just want to share stuff with you, but we'd love you to share stuff with us. And now you can do that on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or on the website. So tell us what's working for you, what you need help with. We've had some lovely interaction over the last week. Just a selection of the cool cats that have done just that this week are Peter, Natalie, Teresa, Mel, Darren, Tiago, Mike, The Garofaholic, Asian Efficiency, Nick and Vince's podcast, Heather, Carla, Carson, David the Producer, Debbie, Transformational Tara, My Marketing Life, Kim, Anna, Mary, The JNT Podcast, Happy Orange Project, The Unwritable Rant, Carrie, Tom, Louise, Nicholas Said Voice, yes, that's all one word, Karen, Kirsty, and last but by no means least, the Getting Things Done page. And on the subject of getting things done, this week I want to talk about the P word. Yep, productivity. Now I mentioned before that we don't like the P word here at Sharp, and there's two reasons, baggage and confusion. By baggage we mean that, well, when you say productivity, many people just switch off. After all, unless you're into self-development and all that stuff as a hobby, and remember, I am, so you don't have to be. Well, the word productivity can just feel like dusty textbook stuff. It can conjure up images of PowerPoint presentations and graphs measuring performance improvement and so on. Now, those things have their place. But if you just want to find out what the best way is of getting you and three kids back from the supermarket without forgetting stuff, or how to deal with a thousand emails in your inbox, then performance graphs and PowerPoint presentations, and they just don't fit with what you need, do they? We also said that the P word causes confusion. After all, what does the word productivity actually mean? And where did it come from? I started my research into this online in the usual places, so I had a look at the Cambridge Dictionary, and the Cambridge Dictionary defines productivity as the rate at which a company or country makes goods, usually judged in connection with the number of people and the amount of materials necessary to produce the goods. Okay, that's quite boring. Um, 
Let's have a look at Merriam-Webster. They're uh, a bit more funky. So they describe productivity as the quality or state of being productive. And then if you click on the word productive, you get having the power or power of producing especially in abundance, effective in bringing about, yielding results, benefits or profits, and raising mucus or sputum, a productive cough. Okay, right, enough of that. What about Wikipedia? They're usually a bit more relaxed. Productivity describes various measures of the efficiency of production. A productivity measure is expressed as the ratio of output to inputs used in a production process, i.e. output per unit of input. Productivity is a crucial factor in production performance of firms and nations. Increasing national productivity can raise the standard because more really... So how did the word productivity start to get associated with getting better at things? Steve in the field, where did it start? Well, Steve, a bloke called Adam Smith wrote a book in 1776, which was called The Wealth of Nations. Now, Adam, who was a Scot born in Kirkcaldy in 1723, was an economist, a philosopher and an author. This book that he wrote was about economics and it was set around the start of the Industrial Revolution. Now, in this book, he talks about things like the division of labour and free markets and productivity. Smith talks about two different types of labour, productive and unproductive, and there's a lot of debate about what he actually meant and lots of interpretation that you can go and read if you want to. One interpretation is that by productive, he meant that there was something produced, something that was available after the labour had taken place. You know, like a, an item you can sell or a, a physical thing that was left over. And the unproductive meant that there wasn't a thing left over. Now, some people have linked things like the service industry, for example, to the use of this word unproductive. And other people say that those people are wrong. But what does that all mean to us? Well, I'm having a walk and I think it's productive. There's not going to be anything left over. Well, I guess there will be. There'll be this recording. So maybe that is productive. Steve, what do you think? Well, these days, the word productivity, especially in regard to self-development, has taken on a broader meaning, relating more to being efficient or achieving more stuff in less time. Now, I like those definitions. I just don't like the word. But I do understand that we might not have an alternative, so we may be stuck with it. As you know, here at Sharp Podcast, our motto is helping you spend less time doing the things you have to do so you can spend more time doing the things you want to do. Now, some people say that that's work-life balance, but I disagree with those people. In fact, I disagree with the phrase work-life balance. Bear with me on this. We've talked before about how the edges of work can become blurry. You know, with emails and mobile phones, those things can contribute to this idea that work and life suddenly don't have sharp edges. But my view is that they never did. The problem I have with that phrase is that it implies that work is bad and life is good. So if you accept that idea, then it's easy to fall into the trap of setting those two things up in opposition to each other that support the argument that they need a balance. That too much of one is bad. Well, can you really say that too much life would be bad? 
Or does it just mean that it's only bad if you have too much work? But what is too much work? Well, I guess that depends on what you call work. If you had a scale and um, at one end of the scale, you've got someone maybe that does something for a living that they absolutely hate. And when I say hate, I mean that word right at the very extreme end of the scale that by definition, they hate the people, they hate the work, they hate the rewards and so on and so on. And then at the other end of that scale, you've got someone that does something for a living that they love. It feels like a breeze. They're rewarded well and they work with great people. Now, I hope none of you fall into the first category, but wherever you put yourself on that scale, the thing that applies across the whole spectrum is this definition of work. So what is work? Well, David Allen, who discovered the getting things done methodology, puts it this way. There is an art to managing the flow of life's work. And this is not just a simple tips or tricks. And I'll give you some tips and tricks. But I want to remind you that this is really an art. How do I manage the flow of life as it's coming at me? And I use work in a very broad sense. Anything you want to get done that's not done yet. That was from the GTD podcast on David's keynote speech in Milan on his getting things done methodology. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. So if you call work the thing that people pay you to do, then that's something that you do, but it's not you. It doesn't define you. And your life hasn't stopped just because you're doing a thing. So coming back to this work-life balance problem, what would you call things like voluntary work or charity stuff? Are they work or are they life? You see, I think of it this way. Life is going to a meeting and life is collecting kids from school. And also life is balancing the books while you have a glass of wine in the evening. Life is driving to the office. It's reading a sales report. It's watching the football. It's sleeping, gardening, laughing, doing housework, being with friends, putting the bins out. The whole lot is life. And when you start thinking that way, then you can start to see that it's less about what happens to you and more about what you choose to think about it. Tony Robbins is quoted as saying, In essence, if we want to direct our lives, we must take control of our consistent actions. It's not what we do once in a while that shapes our lives, but what we do consistently. Shakespeare famously said in Hamlet, For there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Effectively saying that it's not what happens to you, it's what you think about it that matters. Brian Fantana said, 60% of the time, it works every time. Yeah, okay, don't live your whole life based on quotes, because sometimes they can be really stupid. But my point is that we all have between 70 to 90 years on this planet if we're lucky. That's 168 hours in every week, 24 hours in every day. And every year, every month, every week, day and hour and minute, it's full of stuff. Difficult stuff, fast stuff, funny stuff crazy stuff, boring stuff, and so on and so on. We all have the same opportunity to experience that stuff. That opportunity is now. And I don't mean this in a, this is the first day of the rest of your life kind of thing. I mean, literally, we only ever have a series of nows. You can't do tomorrow's nows today. You can't do them until they come along tomorrow. And you can't do yesterday's nows today. You can only do now, now. 
You know when you say a word a lot and it sounds funny in your mouth. But seriously, if your attention is on tomorrow or yesterday, or anything other than what's important right now, then that's when I'd say you're not being productive. I need to make a distinction here. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't ever think about tomorrow or yesterday. There are times when it's really important to do that. Planning is a good example. Let's say you're writing a shopping list for a visit to the supermarket tomorrow. Now there are a few ways that you can tackle this. Some people add things onto the list as and when they run out of them. And that's a pretty good way of doing it because it means you don't need to spend a long time writing the list. But it does rely on you having a way of making sure that beans make it onto the list when they run out. Another way is to look in all the cupboards while you're writing the list and to note down what's missing. Now that's more time consuming than the previous way and it relies on you noticing that there's a space for where the beans should be for them to then make it onto the list. And that's a little less reliable because our brains are not very good at recording negatives or noticing something that isn't there. Another way is to imagine that you're walking around the supermarket and as you walk around the aisles in your head adding things onto the list which you know you've run out of. Now that's pretty effective but it is time consuming and again, it does rely on you having the capacity to remember what's in the aisles. Okay, so you could be forgiven for thinking, flipping X, Steve, all I wanna do is write a list and you're making it sound ever so complicated. Well, that's because it is complicated. Our brains are complicated and a shopping list might be a simple thing, but what happens to get that list written down is quite complex. The thing is this, however you do it, the now bit is writing the list and the past and the future bits are things to think about when you're doing the now bit. So a shopping list is simple. A presentation could be more complex, but they are both much harder to do if you're distracted by a thousand other things in your head at the same time. It's hard to conjure up the image of a tin of beans that's not there, but to remember to write it down whilst at the same time thinking about two conversations you had yesterday, that list of clothes that the kids need to go back to school, the fact that the grass needs cutting, your investors want a meeting, it's your mum's birthday next week, and so on and so on and so on, makes it even more difficult. But what if there was a way to just focus on what was important right now, that freed you up to just think of beans, or whatever it is that you need to think of at any moment in time, and that gave you the confidence that all the other stuff would also come along and be in your attention at exactly the right moment. How cool would life be if it were like that? What could you accomplish in your work or with your family or with your interests if you were free to focus like that? To be able to pay attention to the only thing that was important right now? Well, there is a way, and I've already told you what it is. It's called GTD, which is short for getting things done. For those of you that know the method, we're going to talk a bit more about it next week. Uh, so it might be useful to listen to to get a refresher. If you don't know about it, I'll tell you about what it is, how you can find it, how it works, and how productive I found it being. If you like simple, effective things, I thoroughly recommend it. In fact, I'm not going to wait until next week to share it with you. I'll share it with you right now. It consists of five steps. They're on the GTD website 
David Allen gives them away. There's no secret. They are capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage. And that's it. I'll put a link to the website in this week's show notes so you can see how simple they are for yourself. Now, obviously, understanding what those five things mean would probably help. You can learn a bit more by looking at the website, but next time I'll share with you where I think there is great resource to help you learn more. And I'll talk a bit about how I've made it work for me. Until then, take a minute to think about what your life could be like if you were free to pay attention to whatever the most important thing was right now and tomorrow and the next day and so on. Okay, so that's it for episode 14. I hope we've intrigued you, got you thinking, and given you some useful information. As always, we'd love to hear from you about what's working for you. And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and now on Instagram, all at Sharp Podcast. Or you can go onto the website, www.sharppodcast.com. That's one word with two Ps. We'd be really grateful if you take 30 seconds to give us a rating or a review on iTunes. I'm off to think about what I'm going to do now. Have a great week. Bye-bye.